Hello and welcome to Two Guys Talking Craft, our latest episode where tonight we're going to take a, a different direction, a new turn. We're going to be dissecting the world of Uta Hagen and in particular her book, Respect for Acting, as well. Um, Jared uh, from Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox will be along to join me, as always, just in a little second. And over the next 60 minutes, we're going to be chatting all about uh, the great Uta Hagen and what our learnings have been from her. Um, we've done a, a deep dive into her. We're looking forward to comparing notes and maybe trying out some of the exercises, some of the learnings that we've come across in um, part one of Respect for Acting. And here's the man himself. It's Jared Kellner, everybody. Hey, can you... Hey, it was just a delay. Hope, hope all's well. How are you? I'm doing very well, my friends. Yeah, yeah, I hope you're well. Nice, nice beard action going on there, Jared. I like it a lot. I shaved off the uh, the nonsense before. It was so, they don't talk about it, how itchy beards are. After like two weeks, I just, I couldn't take it. I wanted to bang my head against the wall. I, I woke up in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. and just shaved it off. I couldn't take it anymore. So it's growing oh, back no. out again, but oh my God, so itchy. <laughs> respect, respect, Jared. Um, and wonderful. And thank you very much to everybody who is joining us as well. Um, shout out to Machu and Indra. And um, yeah, anybody else that's joining us tonight on the live. And if it's your first time joining us, uh, we are two guys talking craft. Uh, a guy from Scotland and a guy from the USA. Do you think they'll guess which one of us is which? <laughs> yeah, the, one, the one that sounds better is the one from Scotland. That's, that's <laughs> um, and yeah, each week or every two weeks, we uh, discuss, dissect, share our experiences of acting craft technique. And we've been doing so for, for a little while now. And um, here we are. Episode 18, I believe, Jared. Yeah. And um, as always, we are incredibly grateful for everybody who's come along on the journey with us. Um, and yeah, if you've listened to one episode, a few episodes, all episodes, uh, we love it. Thank you very, very much for, for joining us. And it's always our aim and our ambition that you get as much value as you can from these sessions and that you find things that are actionable and you can take away into your own acting lives and um, yeah, try them out, uh, basically. So um Jared, we're, we're, we're taking a little bit of a, a different meander here. We've, we've been looking at the world of Meisner in, in the past few weeks, and if people want to listen to previous episodes, they're up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Anchor or on Instagram Live t uh, TV, if anybody wants to check those out. This is a little new new direction for us, right? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, harkening back on what we did over the last, I don't know, four or five sessions with Meisner. Look, I, I, I think... If somebody has an interest in learning about Sanford Meisner's approach, if you go back and listen to all of the podcasts that we did, you'll have a really solid foundation. I mean, obviously, without taking classes, whether online or live in a studio, if that's possible, the next best thing you, you can do to reading the books is listen to these uh, these podcasts that, that you and I created. We, we dove in really deep for quite some time, and I, I went back and I listened to them uh, as well. And I was really proud of the stuff that we explored. So kudos to you. Right back at you, my friend. We, we did good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look at this. Oh. I mean, that, that was impressive special effects. It's um, crazy. If you listen to the podcast. I bought this book so long ago. Um, yeah, so look. T today we're going to go on an adventure, start talking about Uta Hagen's respect for acting, and we'll we'll see how, I don't know, how far we get. I, kn I know the, the both of us read section one, maybe up to page 80, 80-something, 80 before we get into the actual exercises. And I, I mean, you, you can see this. I have so many, you know, little tabs and notes to talk about. We're not going to get through all of this in, in one call. So, you know, one, two, three calls we'll go through and just have a conversation about Uta Hagen's approach and just see where it goes, right? Just really fluid. But I'm excited. One million percent. Absolutely. And I think anybody joining us on the live, if you want to jump in, share your thoughts, your feelings, opinions on this as well. Uh, yeah, we want this to be a, an open discussion. And I, I'm exactly the same as you. I, I, my notes were slightly different. I was sort of 
was taking notes. I'm like, I, mean, I typed them can... out too. Yeah, so yeah. to be concise, I, I, I typed them yeah. out too. But yeah. But then when I printed these out, I was just surprised by just how much got spat out that printer. And just, you know, I knew there was a lot of value in there as I was going along in the book, but just how much came out was uh, was incredible. And, you know, I, I think there's a, a lot we can learn um, from Miss Uta Hagen. And I, I think she was quite an imposing figure in real life from what I can pick up and gather, right, Jared? As often these acting. A practitioner's tend to be right. Yeah, a personality, yeah. a presence, a really strong mm-hmm. point of view, passionate. You yeah, know, yeah. passionate, passionate person. And then quite often that's that's what you need, right, to get these ideas across. Um, is is yeah. that that person, that personality, right? Um, and um, yeah, I I guess just my understanding of her before this point was it was quite surface value, you know, a couple of mentions in workshops, a couple of exercises in workshops and stuff, and it was really valuable and useful. For, for me just to, to get this sort of more comprehensive um, look at, at her approach. Was this the first time that you went through and, and read um, this book yeah. or started to read it? Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. I, I think I first bought the book maybe in 1988, 89-ish or around that time uh, and, and read it then. And then I've read it a couple of times uh, throughout my life and because the intention of this time reading it was like really purposeful so that we could have some intelligent conversations, I was seeing things and learning things that I, I know I must have read before, but I didn't understand them the way that I understood them this time through. And I, I was mm. like, oh, my God, another brilliant idea. Oh, my God, that's another brilliant idea. You know? Yeah. So I'm so, yeah. Appreci- yeah, just saying I'm so appreciative of the fact that you and I are challenging each other to continue to dig in and learn, you know, look back, go, you know, go back, but dig in deep. I, I'm, I'm loving it. Absolutely. Yeah. Loving it. Uh, I mean, I mean, likewise, and, and getting the opportunity to, to share it with everybody as well. Like whilst we have these conversations is just this, this added benefit as well, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a ton to unpack and a ton to look at and I, yeah. you're right. You know, we could, we could be looking at uh, the right new shit here. Let, let's just see where we go as we, we go. back. Yeah. Uta Hagen, respect for acting back and forth, like a bit like a bit like a tennis match. We can add bits and question bits and uh, add parts from our own yeah. experiences as we go through this. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, we do recommend, guys, you, you go away and yeah. you, you read this yourself. And um, so, it's available out there, right? So the, the Respect for Acting was written in, in 1973. I was two years old at the time. <laughs> you weren't even... You weren't even thought of at the time, young man. I was a twinkle in my mother and father's eye. Um, she followed it up years later here. Challenge for the actor. That's her second one. Look, you see the re- reflection on my ring camera in there. Uh, <laughs> and then there's uh, the, 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 two, uh, the two DVD set of uh, video of her teaching the class. And actually, I sent you the link because I believe yeah. that uh, HB Studios... Uh, posted this so up on YouTube there's uh, an actual link to watch the, the three plus hours of the videos um, yeah. it's all it's all the you know it's all the work the exercises from the book you know from this other book and, and Uta Hagen teaching so what a wonderful resource that it's posted up there for everybody to watch but uh, yeah let's let's jump I'm, I'm excited let's jump in let's and- jump right in yeah absolutely and, and, and I guess tonight you know what it's all going to be about is this part one which Seems to be, from my understanding, laying a lot of foundations as to where her ideas are, are, are coming from, where, where her exercises maybe stem from, right? Part one is called, literally, The Actor, right? And, and she sort of breaks up that into seven subsections, right? So, um, which, which we'll, we'll race through tonight and, and cover a lot of these, right? Um, yeah. you know, uh, for example, concept and um, thinking and even walking and talking is considered in in this section right um and all of her ideas and i I think throughout of her right throughout her writings it is beautifully eloquent quite funny as well quite tongue-in-cheek a lot of it which is 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 good fun to read but also you can um you can instantly pick up a lot of these ideas that she's she's painting and illustrating and um i don't know like so much of this i've been there i've totally been there and i've not had the words or the or the strategies to to work out of it, and and when she illustrates quite a lot of blockages that actors might face and, and potential ways out of it as well, like um yeah those those were real eye openers for me, you know like I felt those things and I just maybe haven't had the ways the ways out before um yeah and and, and I'd love to try 
a lot of these things that I, that I mentioned out definitely um, but she, she starts with this right Jared she says um, or near roughly near the start um, she used to believe that people were born to be an actor that it was all instinct and that um, actors uh, you know when they go on the stage they maybe, they maybe just leave it all to chance they, they, they don't know what they're they're doing on the stage and that, that she sort of has changed and refined her ideas o over the years. And um, yeah, what, what's your beliefs on that? Are people born to be actors, Jared? What do you think? Uh, I, I think partly. Um, I think that there are people that are um, naturally um, allow themselves to be more vulnerable, uh, people that are more comfortable expressing what's going on inside of them people that have a, a, a true connection with uh, empathy and sympathy for others. Um, and so whether they're born with it or that's how they were raised, that it was cultivated, they were raised in an, in an environment where they were permitted to feel and express. But I think it's, it's those people that are more natural uh, at the beginning stages of their career. Uh, obviously, this is a craft and there are tools and techniques that actors should study and should learn. But yeah, I do think that there are some people that are naturally drawn to this, that are naturally uh, gifted in a way. That doesn't mean that if you're not naturally gifted in a certain way that you couldn't overcome that through study and hard work and application. But yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think that sometimes people have it. They've got it. They've got that charisma, that quality about them. Um, and, and others just don't. And so then you mm -hmm. maybe have to work a little bit harder. But it's, it's not Absolutely. all or nothing. Yeah, it's not all or nothing. That's my thought. What, what about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm in a, a similar boat and a, a, a similar camp. But I, I mean, I guess this bleeds into, and, and you know what, we're, to try and do this sequentially in an order is going to be a bit messy. There's going to be ideas all over the place, right? But well, I, like, mean, I, okay. I, I wrote down my page numbers. I don't know if, if you were that thorough. <laughs> in places, in places. It might be a bit more mixed up. But, um, but bleeding into sort of, her ideas are on talent, you know, like like that. Her, well, some people are just geniuses. She said, you know, you can see some examples on the stage of people being absolute geniuses on stage. But she, you know, she mentioned for most of us, talent is not enough. You know that that, that we do need this yeah. undercurrent of working hard, of of being on a journey. Yeah, shout out to Jared, absolutely, Jared. <laughs> okay, Bobby, 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 nice man in the house. Thanks, Bobby. Um, but um, but yeah, the, the, um, I think many actors might go in, might go into this career, might go into uh, approaching this as uh, well. I'm, a few people have told me I'm good at this, and that, that is going to be enough for me. You know, that, that's going to be enough for me to get by. But in my experience, in my my opinion of, of working with other actors and stuff, you do need that undercurrent of hard work and, and, and to be able to work on craft and yeah. technique underneath, right? Um, so, so yeah, I guess that's my little caveat on that. In the uh, in the introduction section, um, and I think this is it ties into the uh, actually before I make the comment, maybe if anybody on on um, that's watching, if you want to give your thoughts around, the, are people just naturally born with it? Are people naturally talented, or is it a combination of hard work and training? Can you overcome it? Yeah, just you know, share. Um, Hey, Bobby, thank you for the for the comments. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, do, do check out Jared's play. Thanks, brother. Available on YouTube, right, Jared? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, put, post comments about you. But as Adam and I are talking, just add your comments and we'll, we'll weave them into our conversation. Um, but she was talking about, and this ties back into the title of Respect for Acting. I think I'm on, you know, page four or so, where she's talking about how uh, untrained actors will just plunge in and work on Hamlet as their, their first thing. Um, uh, I, like, <laughs> maybe you've been on a horse, maybe, you know, maybe you've done a little bit of horseback riding, but would you enter yourself into the Kentucky Derby? Maybe you've driven a car and you know how to drive a car, but would you enter into like an Indy 500 race? Like the, the lack of respect that people have about what we do and what we're passionate about it drives me up a wall adam it really it really does I, mm -hmm. it, it drives me crazy that you get people that give feedback that aren't trained that don't know actors that just go out there and tr try to do these plays uh, I, I, I don't know it it, it blows it, it frustrates me so much i can't even put, put it into words 
the lack of respect for what we do that I see all the time, it just frustrates the, the heck out of me. I don't know. Mm. Maybe I need a drink. No, it's incredible at that point. And, and I guess it's, it's been a constant um, thing we keep coming back to in, in, these, in these chats that we have in these podcasts um, that it seems to be a lot of people out there are, are concerned with the, the end goals about the sort of... Um, yeah outward sort of outcomes, you know, um, rather than it being about the journey and the love of, of the craft and the, on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Um, man, I wish my notes were more organized. But I know there's a mention of that in, in the book even, right? Like um, that she mentions, you know, that if you, if you are um, acquainting success to these outward things, you know, like that's only going to be short-lived, you know, like it's, it's not going to last forever. And that actually it's, it's this sort of, day-to-day -day love of the craft and love of the journey that's going to sustain you through yeah. for, for life. And, um, and that's about respect, isn't it? That's about respect for, for this craft as well, isn't it? It's, it's not to say that these um, attainable, almost materialistic things are, you know, they're, they're byproducts of, of being in the craft of acting, you know? Like they are, they might happen, and they, they might not, they might come along, they might not, but you've got to love what you do, like that, that's the, that's the main crux of it. You've right? got to love it and you've got to respect it. You know, so I, I, I think that the, the title for the book, Respect for Acting, uh, I kept on going back to that as such a thoughtful and important title that it, it really is. It's about respecting yourself in the art. It's about respecting the, the craft in the art itself. It's about respecting careers, um, it's about respecting the uh, the collaboration. It's about the the, the total respect. Mm. Uh, hey, so I don't do. I see maybe you're reading. Do you want to share some thoughts on? Some yeah, of yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to scroll up here. So uh, thanks, Jordel, for you uh, joining in with this this chat here. Um, Jordel believes the talent is with anything you do. Sometimes you just need to understand that the potential is there. Be yourself. Not only uh, that, not the unknown and aspiring actors get great roles. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity for uh, an underdog to get a great role and, and own it. Um, and that's, uh, absolutely, I, I think even within that, right? You just you've got to see yourself as a contemporary to all actors out there. You know, like um, that you uh, can, can work hard, you can put in the the time and the effort, um, and if you're not quite there at that at that level of other actors that eventually, you know, with time and effort and practice and stuff that you, you can get there as, as well, you know? Like, um, compare it to any other profession. Maybe you can play a little basketball, but, you know, <laughs> would you go audition for, uh, you know, the NBA? Um, you, maybe you, you make a nice souffle at home, but are you ready to go open up a restaurant and, and become a professional chef, right? You, you have to respect the careers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Hey, I've got some thoughts about um, the the chapter called Concept. Mm -hmm. I wrote out a bunch of those. Can, can we jump there? Yeah, let's let's go to Concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that's the next chapter. So you, you and I have talked about this a lot, where um, back in the day, acting was very, um, she calls it uh, representational versus presentational. Representational is the, the indicating, the showing. If I'm angry, I'll, you know, I'll do certain you know, gestures that make me angry. And then the presentational is the actual feeling of it. And we talk about um, Bernhardt versus Duza. They were both playing um, the same role on two different stages. And in one moment, um, Sarah Bernhardt makes a, a physical gesture. And then on the other stage, Eleanor Duza uh, blushes. And they talk about Duza's blush. And so I, I'm struggling a little bit with um, the terms representational and presentational now, I, I sort of, like I use presentational as, as the way that I explain presenting, physically gesturing. And that's what she's calling representational. So, okay, so we're calling it, you know, different things. Yeah, then I have to clarify that as well. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be my understanding of it too. And I was yeah. kind of like, well, I, mean, I need to back this up with my understanding. Just calling it yeah. something else. And, yeah, and so yeah. I call the, the presentational, the one where you're actually experiencing it, I call it experiential, right? So I've got oh. those terms, presentational and experiential, right? She's, she's calling no. it representational and presentational. It's, it's the same thing. Way back in yeah. the day, 
the custom was and the accepted way of acting before we you know moved into the the world of you know what we know today acting was about presenting or representing uh the emotion we recognized yeah. certain gestures as uh, being connected to a given emotion but what's comfortable for us now is not being hit on the head and shown it but we watched the the true experience of that and i think it's 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 a really important point yeah yeah and i i think it's it's an important one because um with the best will in the world right to be a truthful realistic actor i'm sure that we all fall into from time to time this presentational form of acting even we don't i'm sorry like when we present sort of thing with within our acting even we don't want to like like it it struck me right you know and i, I guess my way of, of squaring it off in my head when i was trying to figure out these, these definitions a little bit um the in uta hagen's world representational might be for like uh the benefit of the audience maybe yeah you know like that we're playing to them and in Uta Hagen's world, the presentation might be for the benefit of like the character that, that, that we're playing, maybe, you know, that, that's how I was trying to square it off in my head a little bit. But mm. I, I've been there definitely when I've been playing comic characters and um, you, you feel, ah, the audience is uh, enjoying that a little bit. What what, what I just like, sort of, you know, move, move my head a little bit like this and just sort of play, play around with this a little bit. Oh, I've got, I've got another reaction there. And so, you know, you start to become aware that you can do certain things to make the audience sort of feel something. And that's a void yeah. I've been suffering to, certainly with comic characters that I've played in the past, definitely. That's a good point. You know, it's not that it's right or wrong, that there's uh, opportunities and moments where one might be, um, it might be a smarter choice in order to create an experience for the audience that a an experiential version of it may not um help fulfill yeah sure it doesn't make it right or wrong it's just different no but that said i could have probably even got bigger laughs had i not played into that i, I think you know in, in those times you know had, yes. I, had i not played up to that yeah. um went for the sort of harder work of actually sort of going through the feelings of it. it it just sort of struck me when i was reading that you know she mentions it herself right i think she's talking about being in a checkoff scene and she cocks her head back um, and gets, you know, every, every night she does this, she gets an applause from the audience. Right. And she knows, she cocks her head back, she's going to get that applause sort of thing. And I think it's just something to be wary of as actors, right? Certainly, like, the more we do a role, the more frequent we're having to show up and, and, and play the role. And we know there's certain moments that we can hit that just sort of, if I do that, like, that's it. I've, I've sort of ticked off that in the, in the scene. But yeah. It's much harder work. It's much harder work to try and keep it fresh all the time, to try and keep finding new discoveries and things rather than just hitting yeah. moments. I've experienced that too, where uh, a, a physical action triggers a response from the audience and then one night it doesn't. And mm -hmm. then I blame the audience, like it's their fault. <laughs> You know, like on, yeah. like on a matinee, you know, they, they just, they, they don't get the, 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 the gag that was very clear in previous shows and you go, oh, it's, it's them. And it's, what a horrible thought for an actor to have, you know, to go blame the audience for not getting it, right? Yeah. I was being lazy. Yeah. And we've all been there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go back to the dressing room, you say, oh, what, what a bad audience. What a bad audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's just an important thing to admit, right? Like the, even even Mr. Hagen saying she she falls into this, you know. And, and and you're right, there are times where it might serve us, but um, but yeah, it, it just sort of sprung that up for, for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I I thought it was really really sweet, you know, the way she puts this in her sort of tongue in cheek manner. At this point, she talks about uh, the representational actor who's come off stage and apologizes to everybody because they cried real tears in the scene. Right. And, and they felt, you know, that it muddies and, and blurs the acting that they were doing because they were yeah. actually really sort of looking at it and they apologized to everybody. Um, and I guess we've come quite far from, from that, really, haven't we, in sort of modern um, acting in, in these days. I've heard another story, the inverse of it, I think it was about um, Sir Laurence Olivier um, was performing, you know, an iconic role and was incredibly emotional and was like, very much in feeling. 
and uh, backstage in the dressing room was tearing up the uh, the dressing room in, in in like a fit of rage. And somebody had said to him, why, "Like that was the most amazing performance that I've ever seen. Why are you so angry?" He says, "Because I have no idea what I did. I have no way of reproducing that. You know, mm-hmm. it was so experiential mm-hmm. in the moment that he got so lost in that moment that he was truly there. He's got no way of replicating that. And mm-hmm. the kind of actor mm-hmm. he was." He wanted to be in control of that to be to be able to then replicate it, um, you know, mm. for the next show, and he couldn't. Yeah. Think, uh, yeah. Bobby made a comment earlier. Uh, I think this goes back to you know the natural gifts that yeah, like so, so, talking about the wrestlers. Yeah, sometimes there are. And in, I don't I don't know Bobby if you're talking about like um, the professional wrestling on TV or wrestlers like in college or or the Olympics, but uh, yeah, some people are just naturally gifted that they have a, a specific skill. Um, their body is pulled to one way where they can naturally do it. And then through, through talent and training, they can enhance that. Yeah. Shout out to Joel though. Yeah, absolutely. We'll check that out. And then, um, yeah, congratulations, my friend, on your, on your journey as, a, as an actor. We uh, wish you all the very best on your journey. And Bobby, absolutely, <laughs> about the audience. It's like a bad day. It's never about you. You know, it's all about them. It's all about them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, a, a few more little bits on concept there, Jared. I, I yeah, go for it. Um, you know, um, <laughs> she, she mentions, you know, we should uh, be working so hard that we're almost wearing the pants of the character. Uh, she does mention that. I didn't know whether it was American pants or uh, British pants that she was meaning there. But, um, but you know, it's, it's hey, it's, it's, that's pretty detailed work, right? If you, if, in, in any pants of any description, you end up wearing of the character. That's, that's quite... Full on, isn't it? Um, but the, the bit I, I love, she's, she's talking about some of her experiences of sort of moving from the amateur world back to the professional realm. And I, I think it's, it's really interesting how she, she puts it, you know, her idea of the amateur. You know, she says, well, it used to be that an amateur was somebody that loved the, the, the profession. I love that quote. Was, yeah. 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 There's a term. Now it seems almost a derogatory term, you know, in these days, yep. the, way, the way it's used. But and when you say now, she wrote, she wrote that in 1973, right? And it still, it still feels like that, that the word amateur is, has a negative connotation. But like the, yeah. the original definition, what you're talking about, that the amateur was the true lover of it. Like, yeah, let me just be an amateur for the rest of my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess, you know, in, in this uh, chapter, she starts to introduce her sort of earlier experiences of, of working and working on stage and stuff. Um, and she says, well, the, the definition between, or the distinction between amateur professionals, the professionals are paid, it doesn't necessarily mean they're more skilled than uh, some of the amateurs that, that are there that love it. But I, I loved her description of working on this Chekhov um, play and then, um, you know, the moment between, um, in the sequel between Yuna and Constantine. If you don't know the play, it doesn't really matter. But the idea being that the whole family rush on to this quite dramatic moment and the family should be eating dinner somewhere you know in, in another room in the play now usually in a in a scenario the actors would be probably off in the wings having a chat waiting waiting to come on or whatever but the director she was working with sort of made all the actors sit down at a dining table made them all eat a meal decide on what they'd be eating really really detailed work like where the cutlery was laid out what they'd be talking about they improvised some of this this scene and things and was making the, the actors before coming on stage sort of sit around this table and and do this every single sort of night every single performance so they were coming on living the the circumstances that, that, that they, were, they were in the audience never saw a thing of this they, they'd never see any of that it was purely for the actors uh, to connect them, to make them part of the same world and things like that. Yeah. And I, I guess this is a theme she keeps on going back to and back to throughout the part of the book that I've read anyway, is about the specificity and the detail, right, that, that needs to go in um, to, to creating a character and, and to um, acting, really, you know. And um, I, I think that's a, a marvellous, marvellous, like, story. It's this whole iceberg thing, isn't it? That we only ever see the tip of the iceberg, that there's so much going on underneath and that, there's a, there's a beautiful example, right, of doing things for your character and your characters that you're, you're with and not for the, the audience. You know, the audience get the benefit because they get these, these actors that come on stage full of life and full of inner life and stuff like that. Yeah. But 
yeah, I just think it's that, that that's marvelous, you know. And Chekhov's full of that, like you know, opportunities to be able to explore in that way, you know. There's tons going on, on the surface for those characters. Curious if anybody who's uh, watching us now have you guys ever um, done any work off stage as the moment before you enter the reality of where you've just come from and what was your experience? Yeah, it's. Uh, mm. It's a wonderful, wonderful example of how living truthfully in the moment uh, offstage can propel you into life when you walk onto the stage. Mm -hmm. Beautiful film. No, beautiful, beautiful. No, I, um, so still inside the, uh, the concept um, section, she says um, on page 14, if you're interested, Adam, <laughs> mental brilliance is not essential. An actor can intellectualize himself out of real acting impulses. You know, mm. so sometimes uh, you could overthink things. Yes, it's good to, to, to know and to understand and be able to articulate, but trust your body, trust your instincts, don't overthink things. Uh, I think uh, tension is the actor's mm. nemesis, right? And if mm. actors don't have a process to get rid of tension, they really sabotage themselves. And, and I have this thought that tension is suppressed impulses. Like an actor's on stage and they have this, this impulse to do something, say something, to move in a certain way, to emote, to some sort of action, but their head gets in the way and then they suppress it. And all those mm. suppressed impulses and suppressed instincts build up in your body as tension. Mm. and it mm. cripples the actor right and so mm. don't overthink things don't intellectualize things just be be mm. an intelligent fluid actor and just let it all out mm. fluidity i think yeah yeah just being a, a, a key um, part there and um no that is lovely i guess on concept the only other bit that i had um I, in fact i did have a couple of notes there actually um but i th i laughed out loud jared i've got them that you know spat out my my mint tea when I read it, when she mentions about, um, you know, that the actor that, you know, does have this obligation to work on their voice and their, their body, you know, um, and uh, uh, yep. it's inexcusable almost, she, she says. I kind of have an exact quote, but inexcusable uh, to do Romeo and Juliet in a Brooklyn accent. And it just reminded me of the time, of the time that you mentioned. Yep. Yeah, you didn't hey, Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. <laughs> I come to berry season at the prison. See the evil the men do lose. Oh, it was horrible, Adam. It was so bad. It was the. Uh, I mean, it, it should. Many many years ago, I was cast in the worst casting decision I was ever made in community <laughs> theater. I was cast as the Wiz. In in the whiz, mm. me right. Wow! It was such a. It was, and I said to the director, "I go, are you sure?" I said, "Maybe a flying monkey." Are you really sure? Yeah, it was a bad decision. My my Brooklyn Mark Anthony was even worse. Friends, almost countrymen, let me let me your ears. Oh, I come to Perry season to praise him. It's so it's so bad. <laughs> but I've got good, no, so I've got just, good memories. Yeah, I've got good stories. Remember in our previous conversations about yeah. that. Oh, that's But yeah, so part of being a professional actor, obviously, is not just working on how to feel something. But yes, you need to work on your voice, your body, your breathing. It's, it's everything, right? Respect, respect for acting is not just about emotions. It's not just about character. Your body is your instrument. And if you're not working on your instrument, you're not being as respectful as you could be. Yeah, and, and, and this thing we go back to again, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but talent alone is not enough, you know, that, that, that helped me in the face, like, well, like, you know, um, something she mentions a couple of times, like, um, just don't rely on it, right, that alone, because you become complacent, you maybe don't have the, the proper tools that you can use uh, for the, the job that you're in, and, it, it, you know, it's helpful. And, like, I think it's really interesting how she defines talent. You know, she says talent is an amalgam of high sensitivity, easy vulnerability, high sensory equipment, seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, um, a vivid imagination, a grip on reality, and the desire to communicate one's own experience and sensations that makes oneself heard and seen. She, I, I think she beautifully sort of that encapsulates all of the, the nuance and um, 
yeah, just just um, it is like poetry in motion, right? When you see a talented actor, you can't quite put your finger on like she's putting words like uh, what you see and feel when you see somebody that's just got it on the stage, yeah. right? Yeah. But to rely on that alone. I think we'd be foolish, you know. I, I think it's um, yeah. Well, think about the different jobs that we as actors have. So maybe on stage, when it's um, one time through, you can rely on some charisma, some talent, some instinct. But if you're if you're in film and TV and you've got multiple takes, and you're starting at six a.m. and you're going all the way into late day, and you're shooting the same scene again and again. Talent alone is not going to help you create continuity in your performance enough for the editor and the director to be able to piece that story together. It's not just about talent. You have to, you have to be a craftsman. You've got to be a skilled mm. craftsman to be able to mm. – and think, think about you know, getting a, a wonderful reputation so that you get booked again and again. If you have the ability – throughout the day of shooting to deliver emotionally and physically uh, all of your performance have continuity so that the other people can assemble the, the story later on. You've made their job so much easier, right? That yeah. that's craft. That's a skill yeah. craft. And that's not just talent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. D different jobs, different they'll require different things. Like beautifully put, uh, Jared, I think, you know, um, and, yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so much to unpack here. Um, yeah, I've got a little a little end bit for concept. Did you have anything else in concept? Jeff? Yeah, no, you, you, you and I have covered everything that I jotted down for concept. Look at this. We're 36 minutes in, and we've done section one uh, <laughs> of, of part one. And yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot. This is going to be wonderful. Oh, there's a ton. There's a ton. This book is... You know, absolute fire. I'm, I'm loving it. Like, I really like this. Sorry, it's, it's just a little aside as to how she sort of ended this um, chapter on concept. You know, she says, set your own goals, yep. set them for your own approval, and those of your and colleagues, your colleagues who, you truly, who you truly respect. I wrote that down yeah. too. Yeah. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I agree with it. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love it because so often, and, and I think it goes back to that discussion we were having earlier on, you know, that thing you were saying, it just makes me pissed off, you were saying, you know, like um, that people don't have the respect for the craft, but maybe their eyes are widened and uh, they're tempted by exterior things such as landing the movie role, getting an award, landing the agent, all that, all, all that stuff, which, which is, is fine. All good, stuff. That all is, good stuff. That is maybe for the approval of people who maybe don't really care, you know, like about those things. Yeah. You, you might achieve those things and then feel a bit hollow and, and empty inside, and it's about really looking inward and deciding, you know, what are the things that's going to make me feel fulfilled and happy? Who are people that I really respect in, in this world, in this industry, that have the same values as me? Um, and because it is this sort of industry, you, you can just be led in so many different directions, right, and so many different paths. And she mentions this as well, I think, in this chapter, but everybody can be a critic, you know. You know, everybody can take you aside and give you an opinion and... Um, tell you a bit about their, you know, what they thought about your performance and things. Yeah, You've got um, to kind of stay true to yourself, you know? You went all the way back to page four. We, we were on 18, but you went back to page four. She says, <laughs> somebody said to, you know, I, I think that your Camille should use more rouge or don't you think that you should uh, gasp a little more in this particular moment? Everybody's a critic, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and most of the time they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, it leads us on nicely, right, to, to this next chapter of, of identity, right? right? Not knowing your own values, knowing what you want to achieve in the, in the world of acting and not being swayed and, and taken in, you know, any direction, any opportunity that presents itself to you because you could end up in some hairy situations. And um, she's, I think this, this chapter, identity, right, packs a real punch as well. Yeah, I, I I really like this one. I've got a, a bunch of thoughts on it. What's the first thing that jumped out at you in the identity chapter? Well, it came in the form of a question actually, because she, you know, she says it's important that actors find their sense of self identity, and you need to find out who you are. So I was going to say to you, Jared, who who are you? Who who is Jared? That's a question. Yeah, I mean, I immediately respond with, uh, I'm a husband, I'm a father, 
I'm a friend, I'm a son, I'm a brother. Those are like the core identities of who I am. I, I was thinking about this the other day, having a conversation um, about where you prioritize how, like, if I was going to say, are, are you, are you a, 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 well, not you, because you're not from America, but are, are you a white Christian American? Or are you um, a Christian American Caucasian? Like, what do you, like, what order do you rank or put the, yeah. the one that you feel most connected to, you know? Mm. Um, like, where do you put your race, your nationality, your religion in terms of order? And the, and the first one will be the one that you feel most identifies you, you know, who you are. Yeah, I was having this conversation with my wife the other day about that too. Yeah, but like, who, I, who am I? Look, I know that I'm um, an actor, an acting teacher, an acting coach. But if you, you know, gun to my head, who am I? You know, I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a husband. You know, I, I'm, mm. I'm a loyal friend. I'm, I'm a good son. Uh, you know, I'm a devoted mm. brother. Like that, that's, that's who I am. And mm -hmm. if, if you don't ask yourself that and answer that as the character, and you don't even know who you really are as the character. That's probably a deficiency in your process when mm -hmm. creating this this real person. Because, like you and I, we both have opinions about who we actually are, mm -hmm. and your character should equally know exactly who they are too. Mm -hmm. What about you? <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, like what, what who were you? But yeah, you were about to ask something, so say something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, in terms of like. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting, you know, because you can also answer that question into like how you think you are seen in the in the industry as well. Sure. And I think that's quite often where we can get sucked into with that question. And like, you know, if, if you were to ask me that question in terms of an industry lens, then I'm like, I'm a working class Scottish guy, uh, you know, and, and I start going into those categories and those territories. I think what Uta is, is arguing in this chapter is that this, you know, mm -hmm. no, having a... Uh, intimate um, connection with who you are can be the the sort of stem point for for much of of your acting to to grow, right? Like the, 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 it can be seeds for which the sort of um, yeah the, the flowers can spring from, you know, as elements of your of your own life, right? And that we shouldn't narrow who we are. Like I, I don't know if you took notes on this part about the apple. Jared, you know, as she mentions, you know, that, that we're not a piece of the apple, you know, like like we like possibly what I just did there, working class Scottish guy, yeah. Just it's one a piece bite. of the apple. Yeah. So it's a bite, right? But what we need to take into account here is the is the whole apple and that actually we are very different people in very different circumstances. I'm completely <laughs> different to you right now yeah. to how I'd be down the pub with my, my friends I went to school with. Like, yeah. For a start, you probably wouldn't even understand me when I was talking. <laughs> about, you know? but, talking, um, talking that Scottish gibberish? All, all that, yeah, that fake, uh, fake uh, stuff. What, really, what's, it, what's, it, what's it called? Is there, is there like a, a specific word that you call um, in the Scottish yeah. dialect? Well, in, in Aberdeen, in the northeast of Scotland, we call it Doric uh, up here. Doric is what we speak. Doric. Doric. Doric, yeah. yeah it, right, how, do you, yeah. how do you say, uh, how are you in Doric? Fit like men. Who, what? <laughs> It'd be fit, fit like men. Fit like men. Yeah, yeah, like, like how are you doing, man? Kind of like that, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, case in point, right? Like, yeah. we're different You people. wouldn't do that in, if you were in your professional setting, that yeah. wouldn't come out of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this idea from Uta, right, that we can feed on all of these different aspects, you know, in, in, our, in our lives, you know, and, and the richer our lives and, yeah. uh, you know, the, the more varied our lives are, the more we can draw from this. It's why, you know, in a nutshell, I'll go from this. I, 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 am I along those lines, Jared? Is that... You, you're spot on. It's, so later on, um, there's an exercise called change of self, which, uh, which we'll eventually get to. And when I was taking classes from a guy who had studied with Uta Hagen, um, we were working on the change of self exercise in class, like the, the week or so before. I, I don't know if I told you this story off. No, no, no. He and I were talking on the phone. He, he was walking in, I don't know, I, 
some rough area of the neighborhood. He was walking a rough, a rough area neighborhood. And he was on the phone with me just talking. And he was a teacher. He was, he was playing the role of the teacher. He was knowledgeable, teaching, educating, answering questions, helping me you know, gain a better perspective on this particular technique. And while he was walking in this rough area of the neighborhood, he bumped into an ex-girlfriend. And he says to me, hey, hold on a second. He didn't hang up. He didn't put me on mute. He just pulled the phone away from his, from his mouth. And he started talking to his ex-girlfriend. And he turned into a Casanova. And his entire <laughs> energy changed. And he became this really sensual, sexy guy. You know, and he, this, this confidence that was just exuding from him was so palpable and evident to me, just, just eavesdropping in on it. So they have this conversation and she leaves. He comes back to me and he's right back into teacher mode. He walks a little bit farther and he's confronted by some, some rough guy. And uh, it seemed like there was going to be some sort of a confrontation. Some sort of a fight was about to happen. And he pulled the phone away from his mouth and he looked at the guy. And he says, do it. He says, I've had, he said, I, like, I've had a really shit week. Like, you don't want to be messing with me this week. But if you want to do it, let's go. Let's just go right now. And this animal came out in him. And mm. that guy moved on and he came back talking to me and went right back to being the teacher. And I just started laughing. You know, I'm like, he literally just brought to life the different parts of himself based upon yep. the circumstances that he was in, the people that he was dealing with, that it, th they are all him. They're all bites of that apple. They're just pieces of who he was. And for me, it was so serendipitous that it actually happened, but it was that conversation that I had with him and that experience that helped bring this particular exercise to life where I was then able to then apply it and replicate it in my work. I totally, I took the concept and I understood exactly what it meant, how to do it, how yeah. to become a different self. It's great. Well, it's no, that's a very powerful representation of yeah. that idea, right? Because right? um, usually you don't get it in that sort of microscopic no, it was, moment. Uh, it was almost abundance, like right? You know? <laughs> And maybe he did, yeah. right? Maybe everything was was all bullshit, and nothing, nobody was nope. there. Nobody was actually there. He was just crazy. He was just no, <laughs> yeah. But teaching, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but I, I think you know, I, I just speaking from personal experience would definitely limit, probably, you know, like my identity, you know, based on what I think other people perceive me as, and then, then I don't fully respect all the wealth of experience and, and things that I can drop on. For, for characters, you know, like, and she pushes back, right? She, she brings up this argument of people saying, well, if I use myself for the inspiration for, for my characters in, in acting, aren't all of my parts going to become the same thing? Is, is, is something that, you know, people often bring that up with her, right? And, and she brings up the, the apple um, anecdote, right? Of like, you know, you know that you, you're the whole app, whether there's lots and lots to you sort of thing. So just about discovering these things. And yeah. um, I, I think this sort of bleeds into another chapter, but I think it is relevant to, to this just now. You know, I, we, we talk on the phone and things, and I was telling you about some stresses I had going on in, in my life just uh, the other week, which we, we won't go into because you don't need to psychoanalyze with acting. That's the other thing that she mentions, right? You don't need to bring too much of your, your own life and why you behave in certain ways and stuff. But you mentioned, you were saying, well, Adam, you're, you're super stressed right now, but you know, why, why not take a moment to sort of take everything in, you know, absorb all or everything that's around you sort of thing and, and feel like, yeah, I can, I can sort of use this at, at a later date sort of thing. This is life experience that I can, I can use in things. And yeah. I, I think that's a very useful, helpful thing for actors to, to keep in mind, right? We can always be drawing on our own life experiences in, in some way with, within our work, you know? And, and tying it back to, you know, change of self and, and identity, recognizing what energy or what uh, sub-personality you are operating from, depending upon what those external stressors are in your circumstances in your life, you know, are mm. you in actor mode? Are you in husband mode? Are you in teacher mode? Are you in protector mode? Are you in, you know, disciplined, obedient son mode? Are you, you know, all these different things, uh, these different personalities, they're all aspects of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, we covered the whole, the whole pushback on what I, I you know, I might become, this a bit same and she mentions again. I think I so love these tongue-in-cheek moments that she brings up. She says, 
well, there are actually some people on screen and uh, you know in film that do play the same part all the time. <laughs> they 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 found a wonderful career in the market. Yeah, 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 and that that works for some people, and that that's fine, right? Yeah. But she says the more the most joy that she's discovered is sort of being able to. She she mentions it, right? That somebody had seen several of her performances and they wanted yeah. to meet her in real life because uh, they wanted to know what she was really like in real life because she was so yeah. different every, in every part. What a compliment that must be. So, you know? I have a funny story about that. I, I, I played uh, a part where I was uh, twin brothers, a good brother and a really evil brother. And I did, I did a lot of work creating different physicality and behavior and voice and everything. They were different people. And a guy came up to me afterwards who I know around town. I'm not, we've never socialized together, um, but I, I know him. He knows who I am. And he happened to be at the, at the play. And he, he asked me who played the evil brother. He wanted to meet him. And it was me, right? I, pl I played both the good brother and the bad brother. And I, I immediately said, you know, like, you're messing with me because obviously it was me. I mean, I did okay, but I wasn't that good that I was un that it was unrecognizable that it was actually me. And I'm like, this guy must be smoking something because, uh, you know, but look, maybe I did such a good job for him in that particular moment that he, I, I became unrecognizable. Mm. But that evil character was not completely fictitious, right? I had to look to a different aspect of who I am, a part of who yeah. I am that I, never comes out, that is not part of my daily life, um, but it exists somewhere in me that I was able to, you know, pull out and create this other self. Um, yeah. But yeah, similar, I, I thought of when I was reading that, that part about when people wanted to uh, meet her to see who she really was, it just reminded me of that one part where it was like, he wants to meet this other guy. I'm like, no, that, that was me and you're probably just stoned. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that is what I love about this book as well. Like, the way she puts things, you, you can totally relate it to. Yeah. I've done that. I've experienced that as an actor. You know, it's, yeah. it's, um, I had it's that. really well. Yeah, I had that a lot throughout while I was reading this. Like, oh, yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, like yeah. That. Um, just real, real quick, you know, a couple other things on this identity yeah. chapter. She, she mentions about how we can be copied and um, how we can copy and be influenced by other actors that we might like you know that, that we might sort of uh, admire she sort of, sort of mentions this and she just sort of i don't know just plays around with the idea a little bit i don't think she fully commits to saying it's like the most awful thing in the world sort of thing she kind of discourages it you know like um and she says maybe well maybe elements might might be useful i think there is something in us really liking an actor's performance so it's certainly from my part um certainly in the early days of being an actor as well um being drawn in like I loved Robert De Niro and all this stuff and it, like I'd, I maybe just spent the first year of my acting trying to emulate Robert De Niro you know what I'm saying just just like seeing what I saw on screen and being like oh, I want to do that and I want to do this you know and and obviously there's a lot of positive stacks he's an amazing actor right if you if you want to follow in some steps do that but you need to be you at the end of the day you know it's 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 not an imitation right it's not that sort of tribute act <laughs> you have you seen the, the the Andy Garcia movie I'm distracted by Bobby's comment right now. That is hysterical. <laughs> Bobby's, sorry, guys, got distracted by a really cute hedgehog in my garden. <laughs> Bobby, it's, that is part of your Bobby's, identity. So Bobby's a really talented actor too. I, I watch a couple of, of his uh, videos. He's he's quite good. He's quite good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Bobby, that, that's funny. So um, Adam, there's a there's a movie, uh, Andy Garcia's movie called City Island. Have you heard of okay. this? I haven't, no. Um, low budget, um, maybe an indie film. It was exceptional. He he works as a, a prison guard who um, starts to take uh, acting lessons. And he goes on an audition. And he loves, loves Marlon Brando in The Godfather. And so he goes on this audition. And he's he's in front of the casting director. And he starts going, <laughs> and he's he's doing the audition but he's doing it as marlon brando in the godfather and they're all like what 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 are, what are you what are you doing like, are you trying to do brando he's like you know he didn't know right he yeah. he 
he so revered Marlon Brando in that role mm -hmm. that that's what he thought mm -hmm. acting was about. He was emulating that. And it was only yeah. until he let that go and just started to tell a story that was authentic to him that his career took off and, and like his mm -hmm. true self came out. So yeah, you, you can love these actors and you could try to be inspired by them, but that's them, you know? Yeah. You, you are the only you. Well, why would yeah. you wanna why would you wanna suppress that at all? And it's always that thing, right? Don't um you know, if you're playing a role, try and not watch the film of anybody else that's played that role before because it's gonna sort of bleed into your subconscious somewhere, right? You're gonna you're gonna sort of take that in and it will affect your own sort of Oh, yeah. okay. I, I have opinions about that. Yeah, there, there's okay. some there's some teachers that will say, don't ever watch it because it's going to influence what you do. And I, I don't categorically say n never do that. I think that if you're intelligent enough to watch somebody else's performance of a role that you're playing, and you're using it for research to be informed about areas of the script that you're uncertain of, and you're looking for deeper insights, and you're intelligent enough to know not to replicate what you saw them do, then I think it's fine if it's used as a research tool. But if it's mm. a crutch and you're just being lazy, then yeah, there's no, there's no point in doing it because you're just going to do a poor representation of what you see. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, th I think I felt, uh, I, I'll admit, I'll throw up my hands, the latter of the, of the uh, examples there, you know, when, when I have them at the past, like, oh, that, that, that was a bit good. And then it just sort of drinks in somehow. That, that's that's sort of my experience yeah. with that. Like, yeah, I, I need to be, yeah, have more sort of um, control over, over over that. I guess in in that circumstance. Um, but no, hundred percent. I think that's a very good point, Jared. You know, if you have the discipline to be able to yeah. take on board in a, an an objective way, then great. You know, I yeah. think that's yeah a useful point. So, um, Adam, I'm seeing we, we've got four minutes left. Um, I think we, we probably should not move on to chapter three substitution because that's going to be a big one. It's a big one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's, there's still a ton to unpack in, the, in, in this chapter. And um, yeah. may, maybe even, we'll see what we do next week, but one or two exercises to try out from this, this chapter. Um, you know, parts that she, she mentions in the substitution about sort of yawning and um, about feeling nauseous and, and things like that, which is really remarkable. Um, we we maybe we'll try them out, Jared, right? And see, see how well, it goes. Yeah, I did it, and as I was doing it, tears came to my eyes. And she said, "You may even, you know, have tears come to your eyes while it was literally happening to me." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is bizarre." Yeah, yeah. So, so for those of you who haven't read, in this chapter, she explicitly describes the physical um, sort of process of, of recreating certain, you know, um, things like coughing, yawning, things like that. So we might have some fun with that, eh? We might, sure. we might uh, yeah, sure. with that as well. Um, but as always with these things, right? We, we did, in a previous episode, episode, we did Declan Donlan's Acting in the Target, and we I just... Really, we got to chapter one? <laughs> yeah, we, we just love it. But, like, um, you know, we... we Love just diving into this, right, and just sort of going back and forth and, and knocking it around uh, these these ideas. And um, yeah, yeah we, we, do you know what, Jared? We just give it the time that these things need, right? We'll just yeah, see. Fortunately, yeah, for uh, for you and me, we're we're not on any schedule where we have to accomplish anything um, specific by a certain date. So, yeah, look, next next session we'll do substitution. We'll probably get to emotion, memory, and sense memory, which takes us through chapter three, four, five um of uh out of 10 of the first uh section so yeah we'll yeah. We'll, we'll uh we'll stay here as long as we need to in order to have a i don't know an, an in-depth intelligent conversation that's enjoyable for us but beneficial to the people watching uh, one more one million percent and yeah that, that's our, our aim we want to add as much value as possible and if you want to guys you know we're going to be back in a couple of weeks time do a bit of a read along with us. You know, yeah. we'll be covering the, the chapter the part over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And um, jump in, dive in, and continue this discussion um, that, that we've been having. Uh, oh, thank you very much. I, th I think that might be Jacqueline from the studio. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 Hey, Jacqueline. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for the chat. And uh, she's looking forward to her, the class tomorrow. Jared uh, is coming on in to the, to the studio um, to do, um, yeah, a, a bit of a, a, a new technique, Jared, right? That you're um, trying out yeah. here, right? called the overlays technique. Overlays. So, 
we are looking forward excited. to doing that for you guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. So I say uh, we, we close at least the book for now on chapters. Well, the intro chapters, concept, identity. So we got through chapters one and two. And we'll jump in next time, starting with substitution. And we'll go play. We'll, we'll explore. Wonderful. I look forward to it. Jared, as always, uh, I appreciate you and, and thank you so much for, for our time you. together. I'm loving this journey. Yeah, um, so much fun. Yeah, loving this, this deep dive. And um, thank you to, to all of you. Yeah, thanks for the comments. In the comments. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost on a, a, a you know, weekly basis I get messages from somebody in some part of the world, Jared, that, that's uh, listening into these podcasts, yeah, that's uh, watching the Instagram lives. And it's it's wonderful, wonderful just to... Yeah, yeah you're stretching out and, and reaching guys from, from from everywhere. So we wish you all the best on that journey as actors. We know it's a difficult time right now. Um, so yeah, dig deep and um, you're doing the right thing, right? Just by embracing the world of acting craft, it's going to stand you in good stead in the future at some point. Absolutely. Um, but thank you very much, Jared. And Thanks, uh, until next time, okay. uh, yeah, we'll catch us again. Stay safe. Stay Bye. safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Adam from Unstoppable Acting Studio in Scotland. And this is Jared from Actors Approach in America. And together, we are Two Guys Talking Craft. A one-hour podcast where we talk about the craft of acting. Explore the various acting techniques from all the master acting teachers. And help you grow your acting skills. Two Guys Talking Craft. Two Guys Talking Craft. It sounds much better when Adam says it. Yeah, it does. This is Two Guys Talking Craft.